Welcome to the Same Side Selling Podcast, dedicated to modern sales and marketing, innovation, and leadership. Here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm joined this week by the legendary Connie Podesta. Connie has written a gazillion books on sales, leadership, and psychology. She's got a psychological background, which gives her amazing insight into sales. And if you've never seen Connie on stage, you are missing out. We're talking about her latest book, which she calls the best sales book ever, Cut Through the Obstacles and Send Sales Through the Roof, that she co-wrote with Meredith Elliott Powell. We're going to talk about the make the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to sales, why it's more important to quit doing things rather than set what you're going to do, and talk about some of the key psychology that really influence your sales success. You're going to learn a ton from Connie Podesta. Connie Podesta, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I am great, thanks, and I'm thrilled to have you here. Can you start by sharing something surprising about you that our audience may not know? Probably what my audience would know about me is 90% of who I am, they have no idea about. Because I'm one of these speakers on stage, I don't talk about me. I don't share some personal story like someone died when I was 20 and I held his hand and you know, <laughs> I found myself. And, and I really try to make it about the audience. So when I'm done, the audience is like, okay, we now know everything about us because I'm a psychology person. Yep. And we just realized, like most speakers, we know everything. They tell their story and where they began and how they got here and what happened when they were five. And we know nothing about you. And I go, good. That's exactly the way I want it to be. <laughs> but if I really had to say something surprising, I would probably say that people see me very much as an extrovert. Because yep. I'm out there and I'm talking to people and I could talk to anybody and I'm out there having a drink with them after or hugging them or taking selfies with them. And in real life, I'm very much an introvert. Um, I'm, we don't, I don't like to entertain. We don't have tons of parties. We don't do stuff with millions of friends. Um, when I'm home, I pretty much just kind of do my own thing. So I don't think people would realize that I'm not as outgoing and, and, you know, the party person as they think they see on stage. And, and let me tell you, and that's fascinating to me because I feel like I know you pretty well and that surprises me. So it should surprise other people also. Yeah, I, I love my alone time when people say, well, how do you, how are you out there and happy and excited? When do you know you're not? And I go, I'm, I'm fun till I'm not. And <laughs> the minute I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, like get me to my room, you know, and so I do really, it's a great life because I totally am not faking it. Yeah. I really love being on stage and I love talking to the people after. And for my job, I couldn't have had anything better for me. But I think what they would be surprised is, is in my personal life, I'm one that likes to, you know, I'll take, I like to walk alone or I like to meditate or if Chuck and I go out, we'll just go the two of us and go someplace quiet for dinner. And if I go on a vacation, I like lots of peaceful moments. So I'm really this mix of this out there talking. And then this person who really enjoys peacefulness and nature and solitude and all of that type of. And it's, and it's interesting thing. Cause it, I, I am, I am definitely um, more of an extrovert and Deborah, my wife is an introvert. And so 
you know, if, if we're going out to dinner, I, I, I'm like, well, who else is joining us? And she's thinking, well, it's just the two of us. And, and so like, what are we going to talk about? She's like, exactly. we're going to talk about us. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Then it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I got to call, call Connie. A, maybe people should call me a bivert. Yeah, or an ambivert. Yeah, I think it's, either way. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, ambivert, kind of, because I'm yeah. familiar with them. But yeah, I can go either way. But definitely, people say, "Who do you get? What, how do you get your energy?" Because as a psychology person, that's what I ask. And I said, I really get it equally from both. When yeah. I'm on stage, that's why I don't use PowerPoint. I get all my energy where I'm going to go from my audience. I love it. But when I'm at home, I get my energy from um, nature and and kind of the calming down a little bit, not to say we don't have friends, but anyway, I think a lot of people listening can totally tie in with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And, and obviously we wanted, we wanted you on to talk about the latest book that you did with Meredith Elliott Powell, the best sales book ever. And I love the fact that it's a double-sided book because the flip side of it is the best sales leadership book ever. And so for starters, what's the greatest misconception that you think people have about sales? That they can sell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, tell me what you mean by that. Well, you know, I think there's this, this perception that everyone can speak. Everyone can be a realtor and sell a house. Everyone can sell. You know, there some of the hardest jobs in the world, I think, that average public thinks they could do. I mean, I hear people say, yeah, when I retire, I'm going to do what you do. I'm going to speak or, yeah, I'm going to go into real estate. I love houses or, you know, I'm going to sell. I can, I'm going to go into sales. I could sell anything. And so I think, so, and that's kind of why we wrote this book because there's a lot of things in this book that, that really appeal to those parts of us that we don't get about sales. Yeah. And so I think the biggest misconception is, well, it's sales. I, I mean, of course I can sell. I can sell anything. But yep. sales is very planned. And sales is very much about psychology. Psychology is everything. And as I go in and talk to my sales groups, I say, how many of you have ever had a psychology course or read a book or hardly any hands go up? And I go, okay, you do know that the reason why I'm going to increase your sales by about 10 to 15% is because when we're done here, you're going to understand not only your customer, why do they do what they do and why do they walk from you, but you're going to understand you and your perception of sales and what kind of beliefs and assumptions get in your way. And it's amazing by the end, their brains are on fire. They're like, Oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, there's all of this stuff. And even though my sales are high, they can be even higher. Yeah, and and the the thing is that the the reason why I love talking about this is because you bring that psychology perspective and the business perspective and that energy so that the audience is constantly learning something new. And it's fascinating to me how often when I talk to people, they end up with what I call axis displacement disorder. They somehow believe that just because yes. I want to sell something, I the customer should want to buy it. And you know, all of a sudden the axis of the earth has shifted and the world revolves around us. Yes. It doesn't work that way. No. It's almost like the, the best sellers are helping the customer discover why they should buy rather than persuading them to buy. If that well, makes sense. They're helping the customer discover what's in it for them. Yeah. You know, the salesperson loves to say, you know, here's what's great and here's what you need to do. And here's your plan. And here, and it's just jabber, jabber, jabber. And it, it just doesn't work. And psychologically, the problem is, and I tell this to my sales audiences, the average person, when you walk into a room, 
within the first five seconds, about 50% of the people in the room are somewhat annoyed by you (laughs) before you've even opened your mouth. Exactly. And, And in reverse, when we walk into a room, within a few seconds, minutes, we're pretty well annoyed by quite a few people who haven't really done anything to us yet. And salespeople, there's another misconception. They don't realize that. Salespeople think if they have the right approach and it closes some deals, it's going to work every time. And what I teach people, salespeople, is that, you know, there's there's two groups here. There's basically the bottom line, cut through the BS, cut through the garbage, get to the point, tell me what's in it for me. And then there's the relationship people, you know, that want to like you. And if they don't like you, they're not going to buy from you. Well, with salespeople, it's pretty much that same way. So if you're a bottom line person, facts and figures and I'm another bottom line person, you got me. You got me at hello. I mean, all I want is give me the research. Tell me why. Tell me how my company is going to be better. Here's the deal. Give me the contract. But if I'm a relationship person and you're the bottom line person and you're giving me all the facts and figures, number one, I'm so bored with you. Number two, I don't think you care about me at all. It's very apparent to me in my brain that all you want is to close the deal and get the money. And three, I don't really like you. And people, the relationship people will drive further, spend more money, go out of their way to buy from someone they like. So when I'm done, and I think the same thing with the book that Meredith and I wrote, when you're done, you pretty well understand it's not about you at all. (laughs) This is not about you. It's about me, the buyer, or you, the buyer. And and one one of the things I love about this book, and it was one of those things where I mean, it, it, much like you, I, I, I receive a lot of sales books and books to, to look at. Yes. Yeah. And oftentimes it's like, wow, deja vu. I yeah. think I've read this 117 times. And the thing I love about this is that you focus on beliefs, you focus on excuses, assumptions, um, sales tactics, negotiation tactics. But instead of saying, here's what you should do, every single section is quit blank. So it's quit doing this or quit doing that. So why is that? Why, well, why is that the approach you took? Psychologically, I tried for years personally. I, you know, I can't speak for Meredith, but she and I are so close and we agree on almost everything. Writing a book with her was just like the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, but when, and this is what most speakers do. Most speakers get on stage and how to be better, how to do this, how to do that. And from my point of view, here's my theory, here's my six keys, my seven steps, how to be better. Well, for years, I was trying to tell people, here's what you should do, here's what works, here's my theory. And everybody has as an excuse. Now, can't do that. I tried that, didn't work. Uh, I, oh, I'd have to go back to school to do that, or that's too much time, I'm busy, or it costs too much money. So they always had these reasons. So now as trying to counsel them. Now I'm in a debate like, okay, well, let me show you how you have time and let me prove to you that you don't have to have the money. And finally one day I woke up and I'm done. I am never again telling another human being what to do. I'm going to tell them what not to do. Stop. Now, and I have to admit, I kind of got this from a Newhart video. So all of you can go on YouTube and look (laughs) up Bob Newhart. And I'm sure most of you are younger than me and you have no idea who Bob Newhart is, but he's amazing. And I, I kind of, my brain went back and I went, let me watch that. So I found it on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. And basically when you watch it, a woman, he's a psychiatrist and a woman walks in and says, this is terrible. And that's terrible. My husband's terrible. My job is terrible. 
and here's how I feel. And he just says, well, stop it. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. Every time, and he just goes, well, stop it. And the whole video is her giving every excuse in the world why she can't be successful, why she can't be happy. And he just sits there and says about a thousand times, well, stop it. Yeah. And I went back and watched that and I went, okay, I, I like Bob Newhart. I like his psych, psychiatric approach. And here's the cool thing, Ian. When I tell someone to stop something or quit something, there are no excuses. You don't yeah. have to go back to school to quit. You don't have to pay money to quit. You don't have to, you, you never tried quitting before. So you can't tell me that you quit in the past and it didn't work because you never did quit in the past. And so what's so cool about telling people to quit, and it's kind of, I'm kind of called the quit it girl, is that they just kind of sit there and there's nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. No, you can quit. Just quit right now. <laughs> and, and, and what I, what I love is that, and you can tell with your your psychological background that you start with the beliefs that destroy sales potential, and it's this notion that because oftentimes what I'll say to people is, look, the problem is if you have a rep who their belief system says that, look, everyone buys from the cheapest because their belief is that they only buy for the cheapest and that everyone else must buy the way they do then you can give them every tactic in the world. But if their belief system has a speed bump in it, that's going to be their impediment. No, totally. And both Meredith and I were first to agree that the very first part had to be beliefs. And, and I, of course, Meredith and I click so well because she's one of the most amazing sales speakers and, and her knowledge is just amazing. And I had this psychological part. So she was able to do all the strategies and things we can do and what works. And then I could come in with the psychological part. And so it gives you this book that comes kind of from both sides. But for me, even on stage, I say, let's go back to childhood. And I say, how many of you in the audience absolutely love money? Raise your hand if you absolutely love money. Now, what percentage, Ian, would you think raises their hand? Not many. I, I would say a about percentage. a third, maybe a fourth. Yeah. The, to be, and that says something, right? I mean, here's a group of people that I'm speaking to who are salespeople or leaders. I mean, they're successful. I'm not speaking to sure. anymore at this point. I'm not speaking to beginner or frontline employees. So these are people that have experienced quite a bit of success in business in some form. And when I say very quickly, raise your hand if you absolutely love money. You see this just guilt. Yeah. A look around the room like is somebody I, I don't want to admit to that. And so a few people, probably not even a fourth, raise their hand, but they raise it tentatively. Yeah. And that's how I began. I say, you're in sales and you don't love money. And I said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, money is the, the most important. I love my family. I love my health. I love world peace. I love, and I, my, and I said, but I didn't ask you, is money more important than family, health, world peace? I said, I just asked you if you loved it. Yeah. And I said, if I said to you, do you love your home? You wouldn't be thinking, yeah, but I don't love my home more than my family. And I don't love my home more. Exactly. And I said, "There's so let's go back. And I, especially to my sales audiences, I said, if sales is your job, but you struggle with even admitting that you love money because it makes you feel bad or makes you feel like you're not a good human being, that's affecting your job. 
So we go back to childhood, like for you. Did you have one parent that kind of liked to spend money and one parent that wanted to save? Um, not so, not so. I mean, I think they were both practical, but certainly spent money. Okay. Because usually in most marriages, there's, because we marry very different people. Yep. So in most marriages, there's one person that's a little more comfortable spending money. And their motto is like, let's spend it. We could both be dead tomorrow. And then there's, they usually, because we marry different people, they usually marry somebody that's a little more um, frugal. And their motto is, well, we better be dead tomorrow at the rate you're going through our money. Okay. <laughs> so we usually, so most of us grow up and audiences will raise their hand and say, yeah, we had people. And so most of us as children watched our caregivers, parents fight a little over money. Maybe one cry a little over money. Maybe one was worried and the other was reassuring. But most of us attach to one of those messages. So if you attach to the parent who was like, oh my God, he's, they're after me all the time and we never can spend anything and why are we making it? Then you have a different belief system about money than if you attach to the parent that was always worried, frugal, conservative, and a little bit annoyed with the other person for not caring. Interesting. I, I remember, see, attachments. Yeah, my, my recollection of this is that I remember my mother would go shopping, buy stuff and come back and say, oh, I saved this much on this and this much on yeah. that. And my Your dad, dad jokingly would say, if, if you didn't save me so much money, I'd be a very wealthy man. Right, right. Well, there you go. So that, that, there's the answer. You did have one parent that spent a little more and looked at it differently. The saving, your dad is saying to himself, if you hadn't bought anything, we would have saved the entire amount. And she's saying, yeah, look at what I saved. She's proud of herself. So you heard both of those viewpoints. Yeah. And at some point in your life, usually before age 10, you attached with one of them more than the other. Yeah. Which one? Um, probably my mother. Yeah. But it was just, you know, it was just, it was probably, I'm, personality wise, I'm probably more like her. But Yeah. So, which would say in psychological terms that you would have been better off marrying something that was a teeny bit more practical than you or a teeny bit more frugal than you to well, That's offset. definitely the case. Yeah. In our, in, in our house, my, my kids in a heartbeat would say, oh yeah, dad, dad will spend money on anything. And, and Deborah will say, De- Deborah will drive an extra 20 minutes to save on something. And I'm like, are you serious? Okay. So what I want to do with you and now in front of your entire audience, we are using you as the client here. Oh, you're, being, no. you're being the, the therapeutic patient. But you notice when I first asked you, were your parents different about money? You went, no, no, they were pretty much the same. I mean, we, yeah. but well, you know what? They, they never had disagreements about money. Like I, I know like many of my friends growing up, their parents would have huge disagreements my parents, fortunately, never really had disagreements. But At most, about, it would be that joke. Yeah. But it's not about disagreements. It's about okay. they had definite different viewpoints about money. And you are now in a relationship where there's different viewpoints. Sure. Just ask your kids. I'm in a relationship where there's different viewpoints. So the first thing psychologically you have to do, and everyone goes, oh, my God, you go back to childhood. Yeah, because almost everything we learn came from what we witnessed, watched, observed, were a part of experience, and those come into sales. Yep. So to do a good sales book, the first one we had to talk about is beliefs. Beliefs from childhood, beliefs from, you know, if we go into, if we go into that first sure. one. Sure. And I love quit selling what you don't believe in. 
is right. is the one that on page nine really caught my attention. Well, you know, we put quit selling what you don't believe in because selling is not only your beliefs that you grew up with. Selling is also believing that if you're a good salesperson, you can sell anything. And that's never, ever been the case. No. Sales is when, and it sounds trite to say sales is about trust, but if we take trust deeper to a psychological level, what we're meaning by that is people can tell if it's BS. They can cut through that in a second. And if you're selling something you don't believe in, there's a phoniness, there's an exuberance, there's a, it's like speakers on stage. You know, if they don't really believe in what they're saying, how many of you, have you ever heard a customer service speaker who talks about customer service, but treats his client, he's yelling, he needs this, he needs that, he needs the lights. And we're looking at it going, okay, well, wait, you just spoke about customer service, but they're your customer. We have to model that. Yeah. And so that's why I think you like that. We we definitely have to sell what we believe in. Yeah. And that's why with speakers, you and I are always coaching speakers the same thing, is that if you're going to speak or for our audience, if they're going to give a presentation, if they say, I'm so afraid, I get stage fright. Most stage fright comes because you're speaking about something you don't know, you don't understand, and you don't believe in. So yeah. you are scared to death. But if you're talking about something you believe in, someone says go and you're off. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's interesting because as, as much as I enjoy being on stage, my heart rate actually, because I, I inadvertently wore my Fitbit on stage, and then I looked at, at the at the app <laughs> afterwards, and it's like, you know, I may as well be like sitting in a lazy boy when I'm on stage because I'm totally calm. Right. And people say, how is that possible? It's like, because there's nothing that I'm worried about when I'm there. It, the only thing I'm worried about is, is the person making, making the introduction going to mess something up? Yes. Are the lights going to go out? Is there exactly. going to be fire alarm. Um, and, and I think all of us as speakers and the same with sales, all of us need to be a little nervous before we go into that new client, potential client to close a deal or before we walk on stage, because psychologically that nervousness means that we care, we care enough. And that's what drives us to do the right thing. But, um, yeah, the belief system and, and quit ignoring the power of personality there's a myth about speaking that great or salespeople that there's a myth that great salespeople need to be extroverts. And I have made some of my best sales on my introverted side, to be honest, because extroverts tend to talk too much and not listen, not hear and want things to go their way. So it's kind of nice to have a little bit of both in you. Yeah, no, I, you know what? Absolutely. And and I think that notion of the the stereotypical movie sensation salesperson is right. not what most customers want to see. In fact, when they well, see that person, they're like, get that person the heck away from me. And here's why. And Meredith and I both know this from, from coaching salespeople so many years. There is a phoniness. When people say, I hate salespeople, you know, and you've heard a lot. They just, I hate salespeople. I just can't. Well, it comes from they hate the phoniness that they perceived in someone. Yeah. That 
desperate. And there's only two ways to sell, from success or from desperation. Yep. And I think a great many people sell from desperation. You know, they, they try too hard. And when you try too hard, whether it's dating someone or being a parent or trying to have a friend, anytime we have to try hard means that we are not comfortable within our own bodies at that moment. Yep. And our customers now are very savvy. Much more, much more than years ago. So when we try too hard to close the deal, they want to withdraw. Yeah. the the other, The other thing that I, the other thing I love about this book is that you have it's the best sales book ever, and then on the flip side of the same bound <laughs> book is the best sales leadership book ever. And I just love that whole idea of one side is focused on creating the killer sales team, and the other on cutting through the obstacles to send sales through the roof. So um, so what made you decide to combine these together into one bound book? Well, both Meredith and I knew from the beginning, we had to write both books. I mean, you can't, first of all, they complain about each other all the time. <laughs> it's all we hear. Salespeople are always complaining about the leadership, the company, their boss, their manager. I mean, whoever it is, they, they don't think they do enough or they think they micromanage or they don't think they're out there in the field and they understand whatever their complaints are. And sales leaders, of course, so many of them are blaming the salesperson. They don't get it. They're not following up. They don't, uh, they're, you know, they don't go person in person. They think they can do everything online now. They, you know, on and on. And so we knew psychologically that these two groups don't get each other. A lot like most husband and wives don't yeah. get each other and most parents and kids. I mean, I could, I could write this book on, you know, being the best husband ever and the other side being the best wife or, yeah. you know, one about how to get along with your parents, the other, but how to get along with your kids because in almost every relationship in life, well, I'll say not almost every, every relationship in life has a yin and a yang and an opposite. Sure. And, but rather than buy two books because our clients buy these books and give to their people, and they're not going to buy two. Plus, we wanted the salespeople to read the leadership. Yeah. We wanted them to understand this is what these people are dealing with. And we wanted the leaders to read the sales because a lot of them forgot. They just totally forgot. And now they're coming from another point. So, number one, is cheaper for the client. Yeah. Number two, each side needs to understand the other side. Uh, my first back and front book was about six or seven years ago. I wrote... One side is how to make a fortune selling to women and you turn it upside down and it's how to make a fortune selling to men because yeah. that's when trying to sell to the opposite gender was hard. What's interesting is make a fortune selling to women is 186 pages and make a fortune selling to men is three pages. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I was trying to make them even, but I interviewed like a hundred men and finally I go, okay, there's only like 10 things. And, and, and that, they said, yeah. So I said, okay, well, I'm just going with the three pages. For Reminds me, who had, who had the book that said everything men know about women and it was an empty book? Zero. Yeah. Well, once in a while, men get kind of, they, they think I'm bashing them. They go, well, that's not fair. And I go, no, 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 you didn't get it. You didn't get three pages because I'm bashing you. You got three pages because you're easy and you're, yeah. and you know what you want. I said, women got 186 because they're a piece of work. I mean, you have to really dig in and it took me that long to explain them to you. That's funny. That's funny. So, and I want to, I want to touch on one other book so that people know um, where this helps them also, which is 
um, life would be easy? Because I know that you get into the psychology of a lot of stuff. Oh, you have to finish that, though. Life would be easy if it weren't for other people. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the funny part. Because, you know, you, and this is my first book I wrote. This has been published and republished and improved and rewritten over and over. And life would be easy if it weren't for other people. Now is my number one topic. Again, if we go back psychologically, most when you go to most trainings or most speeches or most keynotes, it's basically telling you how you kind of suck and we're here to tell you how to be better. So how to be a better leader, how to be a better this, how to be a better that. Well, psychologically, people don't like that. They don't, they get tired of being told how they should be better. So life would be easy if it weren't for other people. I just psychologically tried to find a topic and it's worked because it's been my million dollar absolute best topic. How to do it, find a topic that people didn't feel like they were being criticized or they were being told that they need to do better. Because life would be easy if it weren't for the people says, you're fine, Ian. You're great. Now, everyone around you is an idiot, and you have to deal with that, but you're great. Well, imagine psychologically if you're at the conference, and you've got a choice between someone telling you how to be a better man, a better person, a better husband, a better lover, a better sales, or whatever, and a session that tells you that you're awesome, but everyone else is kind of an idiot, and we're going to help you figure out how to deal with those people and make those, which one are you going to go to? And so... It's, it's kind of a cool book, and it is Psychology 101. Yeah. Life Would Be Easy tells you, here is why people act like idiots. Here's yeah. why they get angry, mad, yelling, abusive, manipulative. Here's why they do it all. And it's gotten worse and worse. It's, it's just yeah. Now with social media, people can do it without a face. Right. Which is, well, which is scary to myself. Unfriend them. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. I wish I could in life just press a little unfriend button and they would never know, but I Perfect. never had to talk to them again. See, Connie, um, in, my, in my world, it's very easy. See, I know I'm perfect and I know that because Deborah is incredibly patient. So yes. that's, that's the way it works. Believe you're perfect. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Deborah, Deborah's, Deborah's, Deborah, like, will say, yeah, yeah. Okay, honey. And I'll just get a look, which is her way of saying, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to battle you on this, but you know yeah. you're wrong. Yeah, you were so wrong. And I don't know where that idea came from, but I'm just going to go with it and treat you like you're seven. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I'm okay with that because mentally I'm about there. So, so well, it, we all are at certain points. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> once, once again, I mean, the thing I love about this is that in, in, the, in the best sales book ever <clears throat> is that it's all these little micro lessons. So it's not something that someone has to read cover to cover. They can pick the sections that matter most to them. Are there one or two sections of the book that people have given you the most feedback on so far? Um, <clears throat> or one or two of your favorite parts? In the sales book, I would probably say that my favorite is the one on, well, my first favorite is the beliefs. I, I really like people getting a grasp on how they reached the place they are in sales and how much of that was not consciously chosen, but it was an experience they had had and they've now moved it in and now they have control. Yep. But outside of that, my favorite piece in the sales part of the book is the one on negotiation. Yeah. Um, you know how many people I coach and I teach and I, and really what I'm known for is negotiation. And I think negotiation is such a huge, next to psychology, it's the next most important thing in sales. 
because sales is a negotiation. However, Absolutely. you and Deborah and Chuck and I are constantly in negotiation talks. Where do we go? What do we do? Where do we spend our money? What do we have for dinner? How do we raise the kids? So 90% of your spouse or significant other is negotiation talks. Yeah. 90% of our talks to our kids are negotiation talks. And so I, I really try to help my audiences understand that negotiation may sound boring or stressful or too serious, but it's affecting every relationship in your life. Your boss, a worker. And an effective negotiation is more about collaboration than confrontation. And I think that's what's lost on a lot of people. True. I mean, yes, most of us, even salespeople, most of us go into a negotiation thinking that we have to prove to them that we're right. Yeah. That we have the right product or we have the right idea about where we should go to dinner or we have the right way to raise our kids and so we're not really negotiation and excuse me, we're not really negotiating. We're trying to convince. Yeah. We're trying to persuade and convince the other person to come our way. And I think a lot of salespeople get into that unknowingly, you know, this is the right product and it is the right price. And I am here to convince you that this is what you should buy. Whereas true negotiation is more of a win-win. Yeah. In sales, it's even more the buyer wins and you don't win as much as you've helped them come to a decision. I mean, I'm sure with you too as a speaker, it just happened to me yesterday. I mean, they had my fee. It was a great place. I wanted to go. But as we got into the talk, they wanted stuff on economics and they wanted stuff on futurism. I have absolutely no idea what in any of my marketing materials <laughs> led them to believe that I was capable of doing any of that. But they said, no, no, we know you're funny and we know you interact and that's all great. And we just want it. We're going to send you our financials and we just want you to kind of talk to people about getting the money up and persuade them. We know you're good. And finally, I just said, and I know you have too, I'm not the right person for you. Yeah. And, but, but I know who is, I know exactly. There's two people I'm thinking of. Here's their numbers. Here's their stuff. And one of the hardest things, and we're in sales, you and I are in sales. Yeah, I tell sure. myself, I sell every day, it's, except I'm the product. Yeah. And I, so I think negotiation, you have to go into it, not with who's going to win, but how do you come up with something where both of you feel good about yourselves and you feel good about your choices? Exactly. And that's, and that's, um, and that's the key to all this is because if you do it right, no one feels like they were manipulated. No one feels like they were browbeaten to something. Everyone looks and says, yeah, this is the right thing and we should move forward. And that's the way they get there. So, hey, Connie, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about you? Um, ConniePodesta.com. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I figured. But in case there was something else, no, I want to make no. sure. We'll, and we'll include that in the show notes. We'll include links to the books. It's got my email on there. Um, Unlike a lot of people, I don't have an agent. I don't have a gatekeeper. I don't I mean, I just call people back. I do what I tell my salespeople to do. I call people back and they're always like, are you Connie? And I'm like, yeah. I I want to hire. And they go, yeah. And I go, well, yeah, that's me. Let's talk. (laughs) And um, so, yeah, just... My email's on there, Connie at Connie Podesta. Uh, Teresa will get it, and she'll pass it on to me. We'll answer any questions. Um, 
you know, I think it's uh, exciting and great. And I think if I were to leave our audience today with anything, it's, it's take psychology seriously. Psychology isn't something boring and it's not always about childhood. Psychology is, is about self-awareness. And if there's any changes going to be made in your life, you have to be self-aware first. I love it. I love it. And the book is fantastic. And um, you're a wealth of knowledge. And thanks for sharing it with me and our audience. Oh, well, I, I just, you know, I usually give away three ther- therapy at the end of this, but I think Deborah's the one I'm going to give it to. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. Deborah's been married to me for 20 some odd years. Bless she needs the therapy. Heart. Bless her heart. <laughs> no, you're awesome. And, and for all of the audience, I've known Ian forever and ever, and he really walks a walk. He's one of these that truly, you know, he models what he says and everything he tells you on this show or the audience, you know, things he tells you as an audience is how he lives his life. So it was great talking to you. Always a pleasure, Connie. Thanks. Okay. Uh Connie always has so much information to share. Let me give you a quick 30 second recap of what you can use and apply right away. First, remember this misconception that people think that they can sell, but the reality is that what you have to do is align with the buyer type and tie in the psychology that allows you to follow a specified structure for success. Also, I love how Connie talks about the fact that oftentimes we make excuses. So the idea of just quitting something eliminates those excuses and then make sure to pick up her book, Life Would Be Easy, dot, dot, dot. And really it's just great insight that you can use in any situation for building relationships. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. There's a topic I should cover or a guest I should have on the program. Just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.